real quick, you said something I think matters a ton in these tough economic environments. And that is like this idea that you should focus on what you can control. And it's really easy in 2023 to say, ah, the economy, ah, credit reject rates on my financing for HVAC, ah, uh, consumer credit levels are rising, you know, debt levels are rising, uh, nobody, people are pinching penny, whatever it is. But like, that's not a very empowering mindset. And we're like the, 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 the saying we always have in our business is like, ignore the noise and focus on what you can control, what you're going to do on that next call, the next action you can take, how you can win the day. Uh, and I think I, I really that you, you said something that struck a chord because in a tough environment, like that's the mindset that we want to take. This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It's your boy, Chris Yano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast. Also CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions for those of you who didn't know, or for those of you who think that I'm not the CEO of Rhino Strategic Solutions anymore. Newsflash, I am. It's your boy. <laughs> so I have a fun episode today. It's the beginning of a year. Right. You should be excited. You know, the holidays have passed. Hopefully you've started to get into whatever it is, a routine it is to go towards whatever goal you have placed, if you set the right goals. Uh, but it should be fun right now. I'm very optimistic. This is like how I feel when I wake up in the mornings. It's like, no matter how, you know, good one day went or shitty another day went, the next morning is a new opportunity to start all over again. And that's how I use every single morning uh, with my cup of coffee is I get to be just sit with no kids up yet. It's quiet. Nobody's asking me any questions, and I kind of just get to think through things. So I have my buddy on the call today. He's another Chris. Great name. Great name to have. Easy one to remember for me. But I have my buddy Chris Don't Hassle the Hoffman, also known as Chris Hoffman, who's also a part of uh, my group of buddies, our little LSD crew. We have our little ongoing conversations. Probably one of the smartest guys uh, I know. And sometimes when Chris talks... Um, I lose focus because I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> so I'm always grateful to have somebody like that in my group. But uh, I think more importantly, too, um, what I love about Chris, too, is like the time that he makes sure to spend with his family. You know, he's a husband. He's got a little girl. You know, you guys, uh, you guys were what, just in, you have two. Are you Were you just in Colorado with your, what was with your, I brought the four month old with us to Colorado. So that was, dear a, God, that was that's right. You got the little, little, uh, yeah. So those, so, no, thank you. I've passed those days. Um, was it, dude, I always, this is what I always love too. Like this guy's a bad, like he was a Marine too. He was over in Afghanistan. We were talking about this, you know, um, I think, yeah, pre-podcast. It was my, my daughter actually in a couple of days of this podcast airs, we'll be graduating from basic training. Like, you know, so in the air force. So she actually graduated from college right. after five years and then went into the air force. So she graduates in, on the, uh, on the 10th of this month. So pretty cool. I'm excited for that. So I'll be down in San Antonio yeah, to go congrats. check that out. But one thing I want to talk about. So this particular episode, you know, when Chris and I were going back and forth about some different topics, you know, um, it is January and I really wanted to talk about how they budget at Hoffman Brothers. It's, it's uh, you know, a, a, the approach that they use seems to work out really, really well because, I mean, this company continues to grow and continues to pull the bottom line with it. So they got to be doing something right with it. Um, but one thing that before we jump into your budgeting and kind of drilled into those details for you, and by the way, just because it's January, um, if you don't have your budgeting done yet, I guarantee you're not alone. You, pro you should probably consider doing it a little bit earlier before going getting into the year. But if you haven't, um, he'll be able to share some ways for you to, to get there maybe and um, or to at least help you get there or to maybe rethink how you, what you already created because it is really enough that you can you can pull that off. Um, and, and this year is going to be uh, a year where you want to try and tighten everything up, as I've said many, many times. So, um, But before we get into your guys' budgeting philosophy, Chris, and like some of those tactics, we had an interesting call. On, um, and so for for those who don't know, maybe listening for the first time, I'm a big advocate of having a peer group and hopefully your peer group is your buddies who can be like be brutally honest with you. And, and I have that group with uh, me, Hoffman, Peterman, Gaynor, Tommy Mello, Ishmael, uh, Travis Ringy, Tom Howard. Like that's our group. And we have a, a monthly call. We, we talk about everything. Like we share everything, the good, the bad, all the things. And um, we talk about successes and talk about some of the things we're doing with acquisitions because a lot of people in that group are acquiring other companies and things like that. And Chris, you were talking about kind of some of the things that you're seeing uh, from some of the conversations you're having around acquisition conversations. And I thought you have an interesting approach to it and you got some good info. And I thought it'd be worth you sharing because I'll bet you somebody listening on the other end 
might be sitting in that seat and had the same conversation or is wanting to have that same conversation with someone. And it might be nice to know from someone like you who's done you know, acquisitions, like what you guys are seeing, what you're looking at. Like, hey, so you remember remember that conversation we were having? It was only like a couple of days ago, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. So will you share that real quick before we jump into your budgeting strategy? Yeah, no, that sounds great. You know, Chris, it's been it's been interesting. I think up until 2023, the last few years, you could be not that great at operating uh, and you could just put together a bunch of different companies. You could lever up because it was inexpensive to do so. So take on a lot of debt. And at the end of the day, you could look pretty good and get some pretty good exits without really making any real meaningful changes to these business uh, businesses. Well, in, in 2023, uh, that has changed, right? And we've seen it. We, and we've seen a couple of folks who uh, went out and bought a bunch of businesses. They, they levered up quite a bit. They, they weren't integrating these businesses. They weren't driving operational improvements. And now all suddenly we just had the fastest interest rate right that, hike that we've had in, right. in our lifetime in, in 50 years, right? Yeah, awesome. And some of these folks are really struggling, yeah, against this backdrop. Um, so I've, I've heard a number of different things out there. We're seeing it in the PE landscape, right? There's uh, been a lot of leadership changes. Uh, I can think of four or five CEOs that, that, that have been replaced, right, at, at the, some of these platforms. Uh, a lot of mid-level managers, GMs that are getting replaced, a lot more pressure on, on budgets and cost cutting. Uh, and I think there'll be a bifurcation of, of what happens, what's going to happen in the next two years. I think there'll be the companies that are big success stories uh, and they, they are operators. They're doing well. They're kicking butt. Uh, and then there's going to be the group of platforms that were playing a different game. And the game they were playing was we're just going to buy a bunch of stuff. Uh, we're going to slam it all together. We're not going to integrate. We're not going to operate, but we're going to buy it at, at six, seven, eight, 10 X. And we think we can sell it at 15, 16, 17 uh, without making any meaningful changes. Uh, well, I think for those folks, uh, they may be in some choppy waters here over the next year or two, particularly depending on how much uh, debt that they took on. Uh, the other thing I think is a positive for folks, you know, if I look at my dad, you know, he was he was pretty averse to private equity, right? Uh, almost, I don't, I, I like private equity as much as I like to, to talk about how I like our approach better. I do think they bring a lot of value to the industry. Uh, but there's a lot of folks like my dad who, who really think private equity is a four-letter word, right? And, and yeah. the way that they operate, he believes, is inconsistent with his approach to creating value. Uh, and so we, you know, for us heading into 2024, we've been excited uh, because this is the year where we're finally at a size, a scale. We have the resources to be able to think about being a partner, being an alternative for some of these businesses who are contemplating an exit. Uh, our budget this year, I know we're about to get into it, we're calling for about $140 million dollars. Uh, consolidated across Hoffman Brothers and now our roofing platform. Uh, and then we've got a bunch of folks who've been reaching out to us as we've continued to talk about our private ownership, commitment to it, and uh, uh, they're interested in asking, what does that look like uh, for them? Yeah, and you have some of these people approaching you that have like this enormous debt and are just like, hey, you know, you you want to take the debt? Like you take the debt, you know, and, and like it's, so there's some of those things that are happening is um, maybe you didn't make the right yeah decision right like and so you're you're like hey chris you take you take my debt and can i get be a part of your you know be a part of your deal yeah yeah you hit on it there, there's some folks who uh with debt being as inexpensive as it was for the last five years some folks was. really levered up to the hilt <laughs> and a lot of them had to personally guarantee this debt to, to get into the space and buy these businesses uh, and so some folks are staring at a refinance within 12 18 months uh, and they owe 30 million dollars on a business with with four of EBITDA, right? Or five of EBITDA. And that's not a good place to be. And, you know, uh, they're looking to say, hey, take the keys if you can take my debt, uh, uh, take the debt with it. So uh, there, there's a lot of folks that are that are stuck in that position today. Yeah. And that's what I wanted you all to hear too, because um, I just, if you are in that position, uh, we're hearing quite a bit of that. And that was part of the conversation we were having in our, in our group, you know, our group uh, call. So that's what something I thought was worth bringing up. And because, you know, because Chris, um, didn't go the PE route, like and kind of does his own his own thing. I always think it's interesting to hear from your perspective because we always hear the the latter, right, the other side of it. So, uh, and then like, you, we have a, last thing I'll say, Chris, is we have a little more like our flexibility. I like that when you're not the PE route, you have like this fixed model to, that you have to subscribe to, right? You raise money, you deploy it, and then you have to return it to investors after five to seven years. In our world, like the partnership we just did with an 85 year old family business. Uh, they own 25% today. We bought 75%. Uh, and we could be partners for decades. And we're going to work together. We're going to help them operate. We, we've proven we knew, know how to go from 10 to 140. Let's help them do that same thing. Uh, and we'll make that piece that he kept, that 25% worth far more than his 100%. And along the way, we can make a bunch of distributions. Uh, and then if he wants to redeem, we give him a formulaic uh, uh, approach to be able to exit. We have a fixed formula we identified. He gives us notice and we fund and let him exit when he wants to exit. So it's kind of a cool approach where we have people who want to be in it with us, 
They don't like the PE transactional model and they could be partners with us for decades. I've got a long way to go. My brother has a long way to go. Uh, and so it's it's exciting to see po- folks who are excited about about that same sort of approach, long term approach. Yeah, man. They, and you get to mitigate the risk, you know, and, and potentially you get more out of by doing this than you would have done on your own. Like, that's the cool yeah. thing. I mean, and you guys heard him slip that in there. And if you heard about the 140, because um, that's where I was going to segue into is, you know, before, you know, I don't want to just assume everybody knows who Chris Hoffman, you know, is or Hoffman Brothers. And uh, they're in St. Louis or in uh, Nashville now. I mean, well, we've been in Nashville. I'm um, having a lot of success. And, and um, just a well-oiled machine, very, very good operation. And um, I just like whenever you come in and share like your story. Like The thing is, if you let Chris Hoffman go, he's going to go down all these different paths, and I'm not going to know which way to go with it. So I had to have him drill down into one thing. I thought, you know what? Budging's a good one. So even though it's January, this is something that's really good. That, that's applicable to every single person that's listening. Um, and I want to get into that. So, yes... Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's built uh, him, him, his brothers, his, his family. They have uh, built quite a quite an operation in Hoffman Brothers, um, which I don't know if the name change is happening soon or not, or you're mentioning that or not. But um, there could be something that, that's there, and it's not it's, it's nothing big, by the way. It's just something simple. Um, but he's expanded past just the, the like the Holy Trinity. Like he's talked about roofing as well. He's kind of gotten to that roofing space. You know, you guys heard me talk about it quite a bit. I'm in the roofing space. You know, we have some roofers listening right now. Um, you know, I have some large. Roofing contractors that'll be at Rhino X, even though you won't be this year, you son of a bitch. The uh, <laughs> I got my two big boys I'm coming. I'm envious. I've got FOMO, Chris. <laughs> I know, man. I know you'd be there. I know that it just like timing doesn't work out. Um, so we'll make sure to make fun of you in front of everybody while you're not there. But I'll leave an empty seat for you, okay? Um, but I do want to just get jump into real quick. You know, talking about how to budget correctly. You know, and again, like even though it's in January, you can reset. And if you haven't done it, then this is your like this is your little kick in the pants to start. And and, and Chris will be able to share some things with you. So, you know, one thing I wanna I wanna talk about uh, just to, to open it up real quick is just give me the uh, like the thirty thousand foot view of where Hoffman Brothers sits today. So let's start with where you're at today. Even though you said one hundred forty million, like you know, elaborate a little bit on that share just a little bit of that path to get there so those who don't know you can understand kind of what, what that looked like. And then we're going to jump right into your bottoms-up strategy. Yep. Uh, today, Hoffman Brothers will finish 2023 below budget. We had budgeted to end $110 million. Uh, We're going to be closer to that 100 mark, uh, maybe a hair below it. And then we acquired that that additional business, family business, 85-year-old, and that'll get us up to that little over 110 Sweet. Uh, with that acquisition in there. But it was a harder, this was one of our biggest, speaking of budgets, we, we budgeted this year that 110 and for us to miss uh, by over $10 million, uh, hair over $10 million was uh, uh, one of our biggest misses that we've had. And I think it's a reflection of, of a more challenging 2023 environment. Yeah, man. And, you, and that's what we, like, those are the things that we talk about on our call too, that most people still aren't talking about openly is like, a lot of people missed this year. It was, or this past year, it was hard. It was really, really hard, hard, which again is why we continue to have these conversations about what can you control that you can fix? Is it an increasing price point or just getting better at increasing your conversion rates on your, your booking rates? You get 5% here, you get 5% there. Like you can make up ground on a lot of these things too, but, but budgeting is so incredibly important, right? Because what gets uh, measured gets managed properly and you can use those as KPIs, but um, th- this is why I think like this is so important. And maybe this is just one of the things that you need to get dialed in. You listening need to get dialed into is how to bru- how to budget properly. And, and maybe Chris's way doesn't work for you, but maybe it does, you know, so that's the plan. But so, you know, they, Chris, you said real quick, you said something I think matters a ton in these tough economic environments. And that is like this idea that you should focus on what you can control. And it's really easy in 2023 to say, ah, the economy, ah, credit reject rates on my financing for HVAC, ah, uh, consumer credit levels are rising, you know, debt levels are rising, uh, nobody, people are pinching penny, whatever it is. Uh, but like, that's not a very empowering mindset. And we're like, the, 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 the saying we always have in our business is like, ignore the noise and focus on what you can control, what you're gonna do on that next call, the next action you can take, how you can win the day, uh, and I think I, I really that you, you said something that struck a chord because in a tough environment, like that's the mindset that we want to take. Yeah. People are going to win this year, by the way. Like people are going to lose this year. Which one are you going to do? Well, in order to win, there's some accountability or maybe some extra accountability you, ha- you have got to take. Like some. So why not the things that you can yeah. control? Right. Like maybe you don't I, need to do I, a single thing with marketing anymore. This year. You need to fix your shit. Yeah. My budget miss, you know, we, I talked about missing budget, but instead of hitting our 35% budget, uh, we swung and only hit 18. So 
uh, for, for a lot of folks, I'm, I'm very happy with our miss, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like we, but this is, this is something that I hear often is like, Oh, we had, you know, we missed our goal this year and we landed at 18 or this past year. We landed at 18. That's by the way, that's, was that shitty before, before we hit the unicorn years? Because probably not like that's a good number, man. Like we talk about those things. So it's not like we're failing. You just didn't hit the the proposed you know budget that you had or the goal that you had, but you were still it was still a success. So and, and by the way, like some had great years. By the way, like some had had really great years in twenty twenty three. Like I've talked to a few. We have a few of our customers who who did have significant growth, both top and bottom. So yeah. um, you know, but uh, but a lot you know were impacted this way. You know what I know. Um, so let's jump into this real quick too, because you know um, you know whenever I work with someone. You know, and I do a lot of work with the private equity groups now myself just because of, of uh, my role at Rhino is mostly on the strategic side of things too. And typically if I'm working on a strategy with them or a large customer, you know, or something like that for us, um, they'll give me like an idea of what they want their growth plan to be for the year. And it's typically all, all around revenue. Like, or, or if they want a 20% growth or if they want 25% growth or 50%, whatever the hell the number is. Um, just because that's how the people you hear are doing it doesn't mean that that might that that doesn't mean that that's how you should do it. Maybe it is if you if you truly understand what that means. But you don't always need to look at like, well, the others are kind of doing a, you know, they're looking to grow fifteen percent this year. So I think I'm just going to grow fifteen percent this year. I think Chris would agree. Maybe that's not the right strategy to, to take. I think you need to understand what makes up that percentage that made you make that decision that, that actually um, has some depth to it. Because just because someone else does it does not mean that should be your strategy. Would you agree, Chris? Yeah. And, and I mean, just to expound upon that, you know, your team will hate nothing more than if, if me, the owner or whoever, the, the president, the GM uh, goes to a conference, talks to friends, hears that everyone's going to grow 20%, comes back to the office and says, all right, everybody, I'm back and we're going to grow 20%. Uh, that's that's demotivating and it seems unrealistic and it seems like we're throwing a dart at a dartboard. Uh, and so I think if you want to run a process, a budgeting process, it's going to get people bought in. You need to take a granular bottoms up approach, not this, hey, I'm I'm the I'm the president and we're I'm saying we're growing 25% this year. Uh, that that will not get the level of engagement and buy-in that, that you would like to see in your organization. Yeah, man, that's what you the, the key thing you just talked about is buy-in. Like you need to get the buy-in, which means you have to be able to do these things together, right? And everybody feel good about it because you almost, you have to compartmentalize these things. There's different streams you have to, that you have to work with um, and get everybody's buy-in to hit goal, right? Like, otherwise you just said, you just said like, Hey, this is the goal. Like, well, where the, like, where, like, what's my, what's my role in this thing? Well, we're going to figure that out. Why not figure it out, bring everybody in with you and figure that thing out. And so when I referenced the bottoms up approach, it's kind of what I'm talking about. So, Chris, why don't you um, just and and just jump into this thing and say, "Hey, okay, like yeah. here's what the bottom here's what the bottom uh, uh, bottoms up approach is." And by the way, bottoms up. I'm not talking about us chugging beers and then coming up with the plan, even though that sounds like a great idea. And Hoffman and I could totally do that. That's not what I'm talking about. Different kind of bottoms up plan. But go ahead and, and just share that with you. Uh, oh, share I that mind that budgeting process. I'm in uh, on yeah, that I budgeting process. It might be a little bit uh, different. It might be skewed. So maybe you try that approach and then try a different bottoms up, your regular bottoms up approach. We'll see where it lands. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, good. So when I think about a bottoms up approach, we have to look across all of our business units. So for us, a business unit would be uh, HVAC residential service in St. Louis. It'll be plumbing above ground in Nashville. It'll be electrical service in St. Louis. So it's each each independent trade team in each market. Uh, and then what we do is we identify what are those those core drivers that 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 we sort of start with the building blocks of, of a department. So let's pick uh, plumbing above ground, right? And I say, okay, I got. I'm going to start with the number of booked calls that I have. Uh, how many calls am I going to book? Uh, what is my conversion rate going to be on those calls? And when I do convert them, what is my average ticket going to be on those calls? Right. So most simply, uh, those are the building blocks of the revenue for that team. I got to have booked calls at a certain conversion rate at a certain average ticket. Right. Um, and then we to do that. So we pull, we, we identify what those building blocks are. They might vary by trade. They'll vary with your sales team a little bit. But each of those departments have their building blocks. You identify what they are. Uh, and then you go back and say, let's look at historical numbers. Let's say what it, so let's for each of those building blocks we built by business unit. Let's pull all 2022 data or 2023 year to date as we're going through the budgeting process. Uh, let's look at through August uh, and let's come up with what 
what where we were last year. And then we look business unit by business unit and we, we make some realistic assumptions around how we can drive changes in those core building blocks. So we'll look at an apartment and say, man, we had, uh, uh, you know, in this department, we know that we had the ability to get way more book calls than we had, but we just were constrained by labor. And this year we're going to focus on solving uh, you know, getting great talent in. So we're going to be able to increase our book calls by 30%. And then how oh, we look at our conversion rate, you know, we had a couple inexperienced folks. And I think with the training we're doing, maybe we can increase our conversion rate by one or two points. And then you look at average ticket and you say, well, we're going to do a price increase. So that might account for three, four or 5% increase in our average ticket. But we're also going to become, you know, have more tasks per call, give better options. Uh, we're going to use financing to get bigger tickets approved. Uh, and then you just come up with these realistic improvements in those building blocks within each business unit based on historical data. Uh, and you go through that exercise across your entire organization with every business unit. And then that rolls up into what your final budget outcome number is. Uh, and in the process, I've engaged my marketing team to say, hey, how many calls can we realistically get? Uh, and some, you know, some departments, it's harder, some it's easier. We can get unlimited calls. Uh, we engage the operations teams, the department leaders, trade leaders, general managers, and say, hey, how, these operational improvements, really, how, how much can we expect to increase our average tickets, right? And, and these are just a series of meetings uh, over a, a two-month period uh, where we just finalized mid-month here our, our budget for all of 2024 uh, running through this process. And we touched everybody along the way. Uh, and they, they all had, uh, they were all included in the discussion. They all think it's realistic. They understand the narrative around how we're going to drive these improvements. Uh, and then they take that message to their teams, right? And so when they're sitting down with their teams, there's no, uh, Chris just threw a dart at a wall and said, we're going to grow 25%. It's no, we, we think we can improve our conversion rate 2%. We think our average ticket's going to go up seven uh, and we're going to get 20% more book calls, right? And And then I'll get into, I'll, I'll let you decide where you want to go, Chris, but there's two things that this does that I think is really helpful. Well, there's two two other parts of it. One, we can talk about how we budget overhead too, because that's something we look at. What we've just talked about is just budgeting revenue. And then the second part of it is now that we've got this ground up granular budget, uh, I can talk about what that allows us to do when we close each month uh, to understand where we hit, where we missed, and hit how on we take action. Hit on both. Start with the first one too. Um, but before you do that, and I don't want you to lose your train of thought too, is you mentioned when you're going back and pulling historical data, is there value for some for is there value to you for some of those to go back pre-COVID and look at where you were, uh, maybe from a percentage perspective, before those unicorn years hit? Or do you say, no, fuck that. Like, we're not looking back. Just look at what's what's going on now. Because I've heard both sides. You know, I, I wouldn't look pre-COVID. I think that's people fishing for an excuse to lower their goals uh, and not. I mean, listen, uh, if I look at pre-COVID, there is no, it is undisputable, indisputable that that. Uh, the inflation we've experienced, material cost inputs, uh, labor wage rates have gone way up, benefits have gotten more expensive. Like, I'm not going to go back to like pricing levels or like justify why I should lower my average tickets to, to pre-2020 levels. Perfect. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Perfect. That sounds like a great clip. We should make that one. So thank you for saying that out loud, Chris. I appreciate you saying it. <laughs> now go ahead and carry on into number one. Yeah, but well, so let's uh, uh, let's talk about overhead. So we talked about the building blocks of how to build revenue bottom up, uh, but we've done something a little bit different this year. And this is like a uh, I'll try and avoid going too deep into sort of accounting speak here. Uh, but we historically used to allocate all of our expenses. So uh, whether it's uniforms, whether it's fuel, whether it's our vehicle fleet tracking, uh, down to the business unit level. So I could get net profit for plumbing underground in St. Louis, net profit for electrical service in Nashville. Uh, and what we found is that wasn't super helpful and it took a ton of time to allocate costs all the way down to each business unit. So now we sort of restructured what we call our GL accounts, which is just the name of all the accounts where we, we allocate expenses into on the overhead side. Uh, and we only allocate to the entity level. So Hoffman Brothers St. Louis is an entity and we're going to all the overhead accounts will get allocated to that entity level. Hoffman Brothers Nashville is an entity. Costs will get allocated there. The roofing business is a separate entity. Costs allocated there. But I like this approach better because then I have a GL account owner. So for picking uniforms, it's going to be HR. Uh, and instead of those uniform account expenses being allocated to each business unit that people weren't really looking at down at the business unit level, it now sits together beneath the HR budget. Uh, and we're able to, we're able to, I think, draw more uh, better insights from how that spend is changing or increasing. Uh, and more importantly, I've got a single owner. Uh, 
uh, that's looking at that account and able to like scrutinize and challenge and push back on costs and monitor what's going into that bucket uh, and make sure that as we pace throughout the year, uh, that it's remaining in line with historical amounts. So when we budget overhead, it's similar approach. We look back and say, okay, for GL, like for uniforms, for whatever it is, fleet, for fuel, uh, we just look back and look at what we've spent historically. Uh, and then we make some realistic assumptions around how much are these costs going to increase. Uh, some of them may scale as quick as revenue, but you hope what you see on the overhead side is a lot of those cost categories in overhead scale at a lower rate than revenue. Right. Then you're getting more operating leverage and seeing margin increase. But we want to be really intentional about that. So when we said that we thought this category was going to stay fixed uh, of overhead and therefore more margins would increase when it starts to increase, we're like, well, we want to be able to say, well, let's ask the question. Why is that not, uh, you know, moving the way that we thought it would move? Does that make sense? It does. So so then let me ask, do you do you add in any do you add in padding like uh knowing there's going to be some movement in one of these numbers and one of these business units somewhere, regardless if it's, you know, you talk about uniforms and HR and all that, whatever. Are you adding in like an overall percentage of just like, call it your slush fund uh, percentage of like, hey, there's going to be movement in here somewhere. Or is it like, nope, we're dialed in and this is exactly what it's going to be. There is no, you know, how is that something you guys do or don't do? We don't dial in any fluff, but we can see by GL, you know, if, if IT expenses out of line, we're going to know exactly where we missed. We did. We don't have like a, a buffer built into the budget for miscellaneous expenses. We'll just see our margin shrink if we're off. We'll say, oh, we lost a, a half point of margin because these couple categories ran over uh, on expenses. But we don't we don't build it. We don't build the fluff into our budget. The other part of budgeting, too, is uh, everything from the revenue generating side we just talked about and the overhead side. Uh, you also have to come up with the people hiring budget that allows you to execute on those two other budgets that you just described. So based on those call count increases, uh, part of our budgeting process is we then have a hiring plan that shows by business unit and by function, by uh, like HR, accounting, finance, uh, CX, it shows the month of the year in which we need to have a fully trained person, team member in that seat operating. Um, so we, we see sort of the human landscape that's going to support the revenue growth. So I know, you know, in January, I need two folks in electrical. I need three in HVAC service. I need a new payroll coordinator. I'm bringing on a new recruiter. So we we literally have the, the, the headcount piece budgeted for the entire year as well. SmartAC.com. SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with SmartAC.com. You've got to check it out now. Got it. Okay. So um, let me back up just a second. Um, okay. As I'm trying to think as if, you know, if I'm a smaller, if I'm a smaller company and I'm the one responsible for all things budgeting, um, who am I pulling into this? Are you pulling in your, I mean, you're pulling your, in your GM, unless of course, maybe you're the GM, but you, um, you talk, I think you call it the GL, right? You, is it GL? Is that what you call it? Your that are gain loss accounts, like that's the overhead ones. Here's who I would pull in, Chris. If like, and we we did we budgeted when we were a ten million dollar business, right? And and the process wasn't super different. And we just pulled in whoever our department leaders were. Sometimes there's one person running two departments that we have separate leaders for today. We'd pull in our controller or whoever was your bookkeeper who maybe is going to track it all inside of Excel for you and sort of model it and create a tool to track the headcount in Excel. It's nothing fancy. You can literally just do it all in Excel, and it's a it's a plan. And to steal an analogy, Chris, that, you know, from the Marine Corps, you know, the, the best laid plan is only as good as until the, the first shot's fired, right? And the same thing's true of budgets, right? You need to be able to, uh, uh, you need to be able to pivot throughout the year, respond, adapt, uh, but at least you're going into the year with a plan that everybody's talked about, everybody's looked at, everyone's aligned around. So to answer your question, get the GM, get your bookkeeper, and then get whoever your managers are. If you're a $10 million shop and you got five, six, seven managers, get all them in a room, right? That's easy to get everyone together and aligned around that process. Yeah, because then you get them bought into the process as well, right? So and then there's a, and then there's another la la layer of accountability in that too, because they were part of the process. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. So, so what's interesting about this year, man, and, and I know you know this, but a lot of others don't, is so even though I'm um, the you know, CEO of Rhino, I also accepted the role of CMO for our portfolio company that acquired 
Rhino and that's Everservice. And so now, you know, I'm managing projections for $120 million uh, of revenue. Um, so it was a different game this year going into those meetings, trying to figure yeah. the things out. So I had to dive deep into the understanding uh, the P&L across these other business units that I didn't know anything about or, or here I am used to working in home services. So I did the same thing as I just started pulling in all the leaders and trying to understand the, the what's behind the number. Cause if I didn't know what was behind the number, the number meant nothing to me. So, yeah. but then, but where I'm going with that is Chris. I actually, I actually worked it out cause I want to, I want to uh, ask you this question too, to see how you guys are managing to that. But um, in this process, I thought, well, um, if I don't understand these things, I can't manage to them. And in, in order for me to catch things and, and understand, I have to like have frequent meetings with them. So, so now that I've got it figured out, I have my projections approved. I know what our plan is for 20, uh, for this year, for 2024. Um, I'm having weekly meetings with my team until I'm comfortable to understand that everything is working as it's supposed to. And then I can, I might, you know, schedule it out further as we go. But for right now, like I'm trying to stay close to this thing to make sure is it looking like it's trending in the right direction or not? Cause some of this was still like my gut intuition guessing on how to get it to, you know, where the goal yeah. is for this year. How frequently are you guys managing to these budgets? Is it, I mean, is it weekly? Is it monthly? Is it quarterly? Like what do you guys yeah, do? Yeah. I love it. Uh, uh, I'll jump right into that, but I'm gonna do a quick detour first. And that's around something you said a minute ago around the importance of being able to understand all the different P and L's for the businesses that you're supporting and I run into, I have this conversation with folks who are running five, 10, $15 million businesses. And they come and they say, oh, Chris, I really need to hire a CFO. Uh, and my response unequivocally across the board is you do not need a CFO. You need an accountant. You just go get somebody who's been in public accounting for three, four, five, six years with an audit background uh, and have them prepare timely and accurate financials for you so that when you want to make decisions, uh, based on margin or pricing or cost control and overhead, uh, you know that the numbers you're looking at are right. Because right. until you have that role filled, when I joined our business in, in 2010, first hire I made was someone who was at Ernst & Young for five years. That, that person's our CFO today. And now our current controller had seven years at Deloitte. Uh, and, but they are, are incredible. And I have no doubt in the integrity and, and, and sort of the accuracy and the methodology uh, behind how our financials are constructed and allows me to make much better decisions than I would otherwise be able to make. So small detour when you're talking about budgeting, but to, to do this budgeting and to be able to have accurate gross margins and all these other things, you need someone, you need an accountant who's making sure that what you're looking at is God's honest truth, right? And not just a bunch of willy nilly stuff. Yeah. There, um, there, there's some, I know and before you segue out of that, um, that is, even though we said we like, it's a small, like that was actually a really big thing to, to bring up and kind of focus on because if you're budgeting to numbers that aren't, realistic you don't feel good about then what good is the budget like and what you you'll never feel good to run any of these numbers because you never knew if it was legit or not legit so and that's something like part of what i had to work through is you know you had to rely i had to rely on our controllers and, and our and our I mean, at our at the size of business where we have our cfo um and even then they needed to understand the, the why behind the number and the why behind um the whether the curve right or whatever's happening or um, and, and so I had to give that information. So, but they, once they started to learn how our business runs, I started to trust their number more because they understood how the business functions. They understood what the number actually meant. They understood the trends, which then made me feel better. And I don't think that's something you get right away just by adding a, you know, a controller who knows how to audit, by the way, you slip that in there. Very important. Knows how to audit. But once you have that, then you can just like, sweet. I know, I know I can trust my numbers and I can make sound decisions based off of these numbers and you can run the businesses, uh, you know, like with confidence. The other important piece of that too, we like in this industry, like everyone, Chris, I'm sure it's in your world, the agency world, same thing in our side. People love to compare what's your gross margin? What's your EBITDA margin? What, what is your labors or percentage of sales? Uh, but so often those are apples and orange comparisons. You find out one team is putting sales commissions into their gross margin, the other's putting it into overhead, and then you're both comparing gross margin and it's a completely irrelevant exercise. So like, I think the other thing you need that person to do is, is you're, you're started to, starting to get that benchmarking data and having these conversations and asking what's realistic and achievable. At least you know exactly that, that every expense is in the right place. So when you're comparing to someone and you see those differences, it helps you understand ah, that's why we're above or below the benchmark because we're doing it this way or whatever it is. But I, th I see a lot of people just misunderstand those pieces uh, and they're comparing things that just aren't apples to apples. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, because um, 
you know, a lot of people are looking to someone else for for advice, and maybe that's not the right advice you should be. Maybe you should be getting advice from multiple people. Um, and and what they what's it called? Comparison is the thief of joy. Did I say it right? Um, the because yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes, oftentimes, it is apples to oranges, and there's so many moving parts to figuring out what makes up a budget, right, yeah. for a particular thing. So. You know, you might do your, be doing yourself a disservice by comparing yourself and thinking, oh man, I'm doing a shitty job, but maybe you really aren't. It's maybe you're yeah. just allocating things differently. A lot of these affinity groups, you know, I'll, I'll plug Nextar because that's the one we're, we're in and, and, uh, and, uh, and I have the honor to join their, their board this year. So excited about it. Yeah. But they, they do a benchmarking peer profit comparison report. That's super cool because it literally every business that participates agrees to put their financials in the same format. So then when I get that report back, it's like, oh, this is perfect. I here I've got a couple hundred company companies that have formatted their financials in the same way for the purpose of having this benchmarking data. And that's pretty powerful. So if you're if you're in a Nextstar or another organization like it, you should see if that stuff's available and participate in those in the benchmarking exercise because it helps everybody. Yeah, sure. And, and I think it also does too. I mean, if you know that's, if you know the numbers are legit, so you are, you know, comparing apples to apples, at least it gives you an idea of kind of where you stand and how you're performing, not so much versus them, just in general. Like, you know, yeah. it can, can you give me the excuse of, ah, the, you know, there's, there's not enough, you know, lead volume, or there's not enough business for us. Like if you have a lot of those different options, then they can't all be wrong. Right? Like there's probably some good things there. I, I, you know, I have, I'm in a unique position, Chris, and you know this, cause I've been, you know, an OG in the home services, you know, internet marketing space. And people often will come to me for advice um, or, you know, ask me about, you know, what's the headcount should be if I'm trying to get to 3 million this year or whatever, you know, and I've done those things, you know, a decade ago. So uh, I, I had an idea, but it doesn't mean what I did a decade ago is what you should do today because things are different. Like I learned from then to today how you can dual roll some things with people, but at least I have an idea of, and I feel confident uh, because of our, uh, you know, our partnership, you know, our sister company, Blue Corona, is we're about the same size. So I have the luxury of looking and, and we know our numbers are correct. So we kind of look at each other to see like, okay, how are we comparing? But I have somebody to go to whose numbers that I trust, to your point on finding a group that you can go to that has, you know, numbers that you can trust to kind of compare against and then ask questions and then lean on somebody for help if, if something looks off. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I'll pivot over. I, I like where you were, uh, the question you'd asked a moment ago uh, before I took us on a detour, but uh, the question you asked a moment ago, well, so we've got the budget, we closed the month of January. Uh, so what, what do we, what do we do with it? And uh, the reason the, the bottom up budgeting approach is so valuable, Chris, is uh, if you just budget top down and I said, I'm going to grow 20% and then I grew 10 in January, I don't know where I missed. It's like, well, I grew 10, like where, who should have done better? Who didn't do good enough? Uh, who's, who's responsible for the mess? Uh, with the bottom-up approach, when we publish our financial results, we publish alongside it. It's in our, our monthly sort of operating reporting package where we marry up those operating KPIs, those budget inputs uh, with our financial data. And I can, I can look and say, ah, this, uh, you know, we, we were under budget by 6%, even though I had maybe four business units that were above budget, I had six that were below. And of the ones that were below, I can see I didn't have enough call count in electrical. My conversion rate in plumbing above ground was too low. Uh, my average ticket for residential maintenance was 15% off. And so I can literally look and see exactly where I missed and make sure that I take actions, our team takes action uh, to make sure we don't repeat those misses the next month. Uh, so that's the power of the bottom up approach is, you know, exactly where to look and exactly where attention is needed uh, to make sure that you don't miss again. Can you not get there from doing a top down approach? Like, how could, why could you like, to me, you would think like, well, let's say it's going to be 20%. Let me just work. I mean, really you've reversed engineer it, but like, can you not get there by doing the same thing? I don't think so. And here's why. So if I just did revenue goals, I could see who missed the revenue goal. So I, I could even do top down just by business unit and say, okay, plumbing above ground's under 8%. But then as I go to the department and say, well, so, so why are we under 8%? They're not going to be able to tell me, was it conversion rate problem? Was it average ticket problem? And then even further, I can go then to the individual level. So it's not just my, my department that missed. Uh, I can say, uh, these 18 folks knocked it out of the park. We're above the revenue goal. We're above the conversion rate goal, above the average ticket goal. All those things were great. Uh, these nine folks uh, uh, were off, right? Whether it was a conversion rate issue or average ticket. So then I can literally be as intentional as I'm going to develop coaching plans for these specific individuals 
who are the ones that contributed to us not hitting that budget. Uh, and like, if I just do top down, I don't know uh, what the coaching opportunity is. And, and this actually gets into something that's really important. You know, field professionals hate, if you just do top down and you budget on revenue, and even if I know on a field professional basis, someone's short on revenue, uh, let me know how that one-on-one -on -one conversation goes when you walk into that, that HVAC professional, that plumber, that electrician and say, hey man, you're not selling enough, go produce more revenue, right? That conver I can tell you how that conversation is gonna go. Uh, but if you go to them and say, hey, you know, notice your conversion rates here, uh, and I know, and, and you know, as the coach, the manager, that, that maybe conversion rates a function of your present step, uh, you know, if you have a customer service process in the house and you're able to, rather than coaching on the numbers and, and revenue and sales, uh, you can coach on a process and you can coach on the specific parts of the process that map to those KPIs that they Still. missed, those budget KPIs they missed. If there's a conversion rate problem, an average ticket problem, you know what parts of the process are going to help them fix that. So, I mean, that's the that's the gold standard. That's where you want to get. If you're just looking at revenue and just doing top down and just coaching on revenue, uh, that's not the success formula. Yeah, man. And actually, I love that. Um, and 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 thank you for answering it in that way. And my hope was to tee that up because I thought somebody on here is thinking that. I just wanted to ask the question. But it also makes it to where, yes, you can drill down and clean into the individual and they've got the process in place and you can coach to the skill. If you can figure out, if you got like a good, you know, customer, like you mentioned, a customer service process where you catch it, maybe there's a skill deficit that needs to be worked on or fixed or trained on and you can find that. So now you're coming along and helping them to hit the, you know, the projection, but it's, but it's coming from a different place, right? It's not coming from a selfish revenue generated place. It's coming from a, let me come alongside and make you a better professional that also helps you hit the goal. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah. Huge deal. The other thing I say too, is like revenue, Chris, sometimes revenue, you see it, we've all seen it. We've been in this industry long enough where sometimes revenue and sales, it's, it's treated like a, like an expletive, like a bad word. Uh, the reality is revenue and sales when it's done right, when it's rooted in integrity, it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing. And it's, it's, it's a fun. I mean, I, I say like, I, I have a plumber, who, who maybe has 40 years of experience, who's incredibly skilled, uh, but if they generate $300,000 of revenue and another plumber who only has five years of experience generates $800,000, uh, I think your value, it, the most direct measure of your value, the value of those technical skills, those hard skills, is what someone's willing to pay you for. And if someone's willing to pay you for your 40 years of experience, $300,000 a year, and someone's willing to pay them for their five years of experience, $800,000 a year, whose experience is more valuable? Like, and you have to be able to convert your technical skills and abilities into revenue, right? That is what we do. We are service professionals and there is a right way to do it. I'm not suggesting you make stuff up or you diagnose things wrong or you mislead customers. Uh, but when you're in someone's home and sometimes you're often the first plumber that's been in their home in five years and they've got a home that's 60 or 70 years old, like you can't tell me there's not things in there that need attention that if I owned that home, I would want to know about and I would want to fix. And that's the beautiful kind of revenue. And you have to learn how to convert those skills through your, your hard technical skills to revenue through your customer service and communication ability. And that's a beautiful thing. But I think a lot of people, particularly if you've been in the trades a long time and you're, you have an aversion to sales, you just kind of like dismiss that as, as salesy and, and, and you know, not what you want to do in the trades. But that, that is absolutely a core part of what we do as service professionals. Yeah. And by the way, if you're, uh, thanks for sharing that. And by the way, like if you're smaller, this should be an easier process, right? You got less things to figure out. Like you have less people to figure it out, out with, but better to start now and kind of get that in, in place and have a hundred people or 50 people and have to like try and figure those things out. So, so uh, I think it was really great that you shared that because, you know, I think sometimes what happens is we think about, uh, and you for sure have seen this, but you think about, oh my God, what Chris just said, that's a lot. You're right. It is a lot, but what's more important to you? Like, you know, and this, it's almost like, this is going to sound silly, but you know, one of the commitments I made to, um, to my, to my wife last year was, you know, Hey, we, we, we brought on a private equity partner. We did what we said we were going to do. Um, we remain control of, of like running the, the company. Um, I took on extra responsibility that I didn't intend on taking on after that, but I still had a commitment. I had a commitment to, you know, the personal things with her. Um, I had to make sure that, uh, I had to look at it like the the pain in the ass of having to pack, to replan, to go to the airport, to fly. When I fly so frequently for business that I'm like, God, that sounds awful to have to go and do that again. I actually have to get past the the, the tactics it takes 
and get to the end result of why I'm doing the, the thing, right? So if you're, and, and, and because I do that because, you know, I love her and I want to have a good time with her and my relationship means a lot to me and I have to have that time with her. Do I like all the shit that gets me there? Not so much. But if that's what it takes to get the end result, I'm in because that's, you know, that's yeah. what means the most to me. So in, in business, it's the same thing. You might have to go through 15 steps to get to what Chris is talking yeah. about, but think about the end result and let the end result be what drives you to do it. It's the, it seems like yeah. a hassle, but it's a must. Totally. And don't let like perfect, I mean, Chris, it, it wasn't that long ago. It was just seven years ago that we were a $10 million business. And it's like, it, we, we have this, this joke, this saying internally at our business that we do things a hundred percent fast, 70% right. Not with our customers, but with how we're driving internal change and process change in our business. And like the idea is we as a company, we just have a bias for action. We're agile. Uh, just do something, take action. You, you, you hear a lot of things. Uh, don't be the person that thinks about it forever and says, well, I don't know about a customer service process. And six months later, you haven't done anything. Just just keep moving, take action, be agile. And like all these, you get all these ideas, like execute on them, do something. Uh, and I think, I think those are the folks that'll win. That's called analysis paralysis. You ever had, I've had it before. You, hey, you want, I'm going to side, I'm going to derail for a second. This is my ADHD kicking in. I just read this. Have you ever heard of somebody having um, menu anxiety? Like when you're ordering your food, like this pisses my wife off so much because I get to Taco Bell, uh, which by the way, I don't recommend if you're dieting right now. Um, but if you're going to Taco Bell, uh, she'll be like, hey, can you order me a bean and cheese burrito, no red sauce, no onions, extra cheese? I'm like, and me, I'm like, okay. And then the kids are like, order this, order this. I'm like, you order. I'm not ordering this because that's way too many things that you just asked me to do. And I can't remember all that shit. I just, you know, give me a chalupa. Okay. That's chalupa supreme. But there's like I don't this know if it's menu paralysis, but my <laughs> wife will like, she, it, I, it's a point of frustration. Cause like, I'll be, she knows I'm like ready to order. And like the server will come over and be like, are you ready? Uh, and I just like look at her and it's that same look where she, it'll, it'll take her 30 minutes to pick what she wants. I'm just like, <laughs> Well, I would say like it, it happens, but sometimes, you know, you, when you have a lot of decisions to make, you end up making none. And so what Chris is saying, man, is he's not doing it perfect. He's getting you doing about 70%, you know, but at least you're moving it forward. And I think a lot of the most successful people will give you that advice, by the way, you know, just start to do something, you know, get as close as you can and feel as good as you can and then move forward. But, but I get analysis paralysis sometimes too. If I start to go too deep into things, I like start to overthink it. And I really just need to get back to what's the basics I need to have to make a decision, use my core values, use my gut decision and move. Yeah. Hey, so, yeah. so, and like, but, good. Go last thing I was going to say on that topic, um, it's, I, I, I just to link it to the Marine Corps too. It's it the same thing when you're planning an operation, right? You never have a 100% solution. Uh, and and I, I think the important thing is what you don't want to do, Chris, is make a decision that you then, if, if you say you're going left, you don't want to make a decision that then requires you to reverse and go 180 degrees opposite. But if you say you're going left, uh, but then you learn and you're agile and you need to pivot 10 degrees further left. Like, okay, that's good. So it's like, get, make decisions that are directionally correct. I don't, you know, I don't want people to interpret that. It's just fire in 10 different directions, <laughs> right? But like, keep your organization moving in the, the general right direction and be agile to pivot, but try and avoid the 180 degree reverses because those can be culturally really disruptive and damaging to the business. That's really good, man. Um yeah, so because you can go left and then you might, oh, well, you need to go a little bit further. You need to get a little, go a little bit further, you know, just because what I thought was the right path, yeah. you know, I need to divert a little bit, but you're still generally going in the same direction. Everybody's going with you. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm going to pivot real quick. Um, and to, this is to the naysayers, my friend. <clears throat> and I think we're getting close to like an hour into this thing already, somewhere around there, 50 minutes. Um, so timing works out good. But so to those that are sitting here listening to you and saying, man, there is no way in hell that my business is growing 15, 20 percent, you know, in 2024, um, 10 you know, like we're, we're just going to be flat this, you know, we just bank on this year being flat. Um, there's not going to be enough leads, Chris, you know, so we're just going to be flat. Uh, what would be your advice to them or what would you say to those fine folks listening right now who are giving you the, uh, non-visual middle finger? <laughs> Here's what I'd say. If you were flat last year and you do this year or next year, what you did last year when you were flat, you will be flat next year. Uh, if you do the same thing, uh, right? Or, or what do they say? Insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing you've always done and expecting a different result. Uh, if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you will get the same thing you've always gotten. Uh, and so I, what, what would I say? I would say, challenge yourself, ask, what are you going to do differently? Uh, and and what, I mean, just a 
when we joined Nexar Network, we just said, we're going to embrace this roadmap. And it was, it's the basics, right? It's things like, okay, we're going to have a process in the customer's home and we're going to train people on it. We're going to prioritize the way we book calls. We're going to have a call booking script and we're going to track abandoned call rates and wrap up times and uh, calls booked book per CXR. Uh, we're going to have a, a sales accountability process and we're going to track closing rates and average tickets and dollars per lead. And then we're going to have a batting order for our salespeople. Uh, it's just, it's going, we have a code red, a structured discounting process. When I have unsold crew days the next day that allows our sales team to discount in a structured way to fill next day's capacity, right? It's just all these tools that exist. We just want, we implement them. And it's, those are what I call the basics. It's doing all these little things right and being committed to executing those basics really well. Uh, but you have to identify what those processes are and you have to be willing to change and you have to be able to convince your team on why they should change because all those things i just said it is harder to do all those things and implement change and drive change uh, that is much harder than doing what you've always done uh, which is going to get you what you've always got so i think there also needs to be part of the, our, our success formula is we've connected the dots between uh, the change we're asking our team to do and deliver and our ability, the company's ability to then create great outcomes for them. Uh, and I've highlighted this in the way that we've been able to pay 100 percent of health insurance premiums for team members and their family. That's 18,000 ahead for family coverage, our 8 percent 401k match, uh, our industry leading compensation and benefits, our 20 days of PTO and nine paid holidays. I mean, all the, the, the paid training, standing up HBU. Uh, all of those things we've only been able to do because we have a successful business. And we only have a successful business because I have a team that's willing to change and embrace all those basics and try something new and do something different. So if you're the leader of a business and you're saying, I want to do those things, well, what are you going to do differently? What are those basics? And how are you going to tell your team uh, and convince your team that they should do those things differently? That's going to be harder for them to do. Uh, what's in it for them? Right. And I think your ability to answer those things, paint that picture, set that vision. Uh, that's going to determine whether you can do what I've talked about or not. That is like the perfect segue to my last question. <laughs> By the way, Chris, I'd work for you. I'm, I'm not going to, but I would work for you. <laughs> I don't think I can afford you, Chris. <laughs> last question goes to, you know, um, and by the way, I love that because, you know, th this, that, what you just said all comes back to if you can help coach the individual to be a better professional. It's better for them personally, right? Because they become better for themselves professionally. They're worth more than not only to, to you, to the customer, but to themselves. And, and that's a gift, you know, that a lot of companies don't get. You can't just sell your way through things and think that's the answer. Like if you've been doing that and it's gotten you this far, congratulations. Now it's time to maybe think a little bit differently down to the individuals. And, and that's something at Rhino that, you know, we've uh, even like the, the guy sitting in this room too. No, we give education budgets on purpose and we have education requirements because we want them to get better for themselves. That the better they are for themselves, the better they are for each other and the, you know, uh, each of their team members also for our customers, right? Which for the company. So it's like a beautiful little cycle, but that's allowed us to make it 16 years in this exact same industry, you know, with a good reputation. So um, I'm a big fan of focusing on the individuals to help yourself improve, but you got to actually have things to measure against. Like you have to have those things where they understand um, I know I'm held accountable for X, Y, Z. Did I do it? Did I not do it? Is it on me? Is it on company? Right. Or whatever. So, um, but I do think what's important in that, and this is something that I, that I'll typically ask, you know, the, as the company's gotten bigger, it's become far more difficult because we have 120 some odd full-timers, another 70 part-timers, you know, that are um, on our call list and reporting team. It's very, very difficult to get goals from all of them. It's unrealistic for me as the leader, right? So it has to come down to your leadership team. Um, but I do believe that you uh, should care about um, the personal goals. Like we talk about budgeting for the business, right? We talk about um, how you can budget down to the, um, the like the different you know units if you have to, um, or you know budgeting down to the different units. But behind all this stuff are human beings who um, don't uh, live to work; they work to live. Uh, with the exception of guys like me and you, right? Um, this is. My this is what I love doing. This is what I enjoy doing personally. But a lot of people have personal lives behind all this, and you got a budget for that too. You know, and, and you talk about the story. You know, about your dad still you know running the business and then making the games and things like that. Um, that's very important to me. You know that about me personally. Um, I fly all over the damn place to not miss things. You know, and it might be a soccer game I flew back to. I took a red eye back to to go watch a game because I can't get that back. 
you know, um, mm-hmm. but I, I built a business that allows me to be able to have some flexibility to do things with my family, which is what matters most, you know, to me at the end of the day is my family. And you listener, you know, yes, we're talking about a lot of business things too, but you also have to have some sort of personal goal. Now you can attach the two. So you might set, like, I'll ask my sales team, you know, say, hey, cool. I know what your goal is, what you want to do for yourself professionally. But what about personally? Like, what are you trying to do this year? Is it a thing? Is it a trip? I'm a big fan of experiences, which is where Rhino X comes from. The X comes from experience. I love giving the experience as a gift. But I want to know, what do you want to do personally? And how can I help hold you accountable to that? Um, Mm -hmm. So in addition to me being responsible for growing you professionally, I want to hold you accountable to growing yourself personally. And if I can attach the two, man, that's a beautiful thing for you to be able to do that as a business to say, cool, here's your goal you want to hit. And because you, because I'm going to help you drive to that, you're going to hit these goals that you, you know, that you set for yourself. Like, and then I'll help. Like, do you guys do any of those types of things? Um, I mean, you guys do charitable stuff too, quite a bit like I do too. And and the cool thing is you guys have your, your, you guys have your relationship with the new soccer team that's out there and like you get to go do things in the, you know, in the Cardinals or whatever. But, um, Budgeting for your personal life is incredibly important, right? And I know it's important to you too, specifically. Like, how you guys, how you guys plan, like, how you working that into your budgeting conversation? <laughs> That's a great question. I'll, I'll start by saying, Chris, I don't like for me personally. I don't think I have that figured out. I don't have it dialed in. That's probably an area of development opportunity for me is to get more intentional and more committed, right? Because uh, we can all make excuses around why I don't exercise or why I don't do this or why this part of my life isn't healthy or optimized. And uh, at the end of the day, that's all they are excuses. You know, you need to have the ability and willingness to do those things. So I won't, I won't allow myself to give excuses for parts of the the personal picture for me that aren't, aren't dialed in, Uh, which actually I I love about our group. There's guys in there, uh, whether it's, it's fitness and people holding each other accountable or whether it's uh, guys that just say, hey, I'm not drinking. I'm, I'm going to take a year and not drink, right? And not because they had a drinking problem, but because, hey, I'm going to do something that I think is really good for me that maybe is affecting my productivity. Uh, and, and those are just small, small sort of right. life optimization things that I think it's good for people to, to push and challenge and be thinking about that as much as they are about uh, building their business uh, in there. Now, back to our team, uh, there's one thing that I, I recognized early on, and and it's this, it's... Um, I make this number up, but I, you, know, you can tell me if you think it's directionally correct. The, the number I say is 80% of a team member's experience. So somebody, one of my field professionals, 80% of their experience at Hoffman Brothers is a function of their experience with their direct manager, right? So what are we doing to make sure that their direct manager knows how to lead, knows how to demonstrate our values, knows how to coach, knows how to deal with conflict, right? Knows how to goal set for that person. And I think that gets into what you're talking about. It is not scalable for Cristiano or for Chris Hoffman uh, to be the one that, that's coaching every individual in the business, uh, deeply invested in personal goal setting of everybody in the business. But I do think that's really important for organizations to care about the whole person, not just the, the work person, but the whole person, which includes things that happen outside of the workplace, right? And things that are happening in their life. So I think as a business, we need to be able to create leaders who can deliver that type of experience, that level of care uh, to the people on their team. And that's why within Hoffman Brothers University, we created what's called the Leadership Foundation, which is a series of building block classes that we've enrolled every leader in our business in, to include those in Nashville, where we fly them to St. Louis uh, or bring our trainers down there uh, for, for each class. And it's been it's been impactful. It's not perfect. But going back to my comment earlier, uh, we're doing shit 100% fast, 70% right, but we're getting it done. We recognize it's a need and we're building it. We're trying to make it better. Each class we roll out will get better. It is not perfect, uh, but we're taking action and we're making progress. And you're bringing everybody with you. That's the goal. That's right. Dude, I'm t- like, whenever you get time to, like, if you, if you ever get the luxury of spending, you know, some one-on-one time with Chris, like, he can blow your mind. Like, we're just talking about, budgeting type of questions and like he started talking about his leadership training which is, is awesome but like he has so much knowledge and um and i always love it because you know anytime we sit in different conversations come up i can always bank on you giving a, a slightly different opinion um <laughs> on some things and i just like that about you right because it, it always makes you know challenges me to think differently or maybe think you know like okay i didn't even think about that thing at all and, and I challenge you, you know, like I said, he, he talked about, you know, being at Nexstar too and, and joining the board, you know, and, and whether it's Nexstar or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just get, you know, get involved in something that can, you can also get some sort of like, you know, a peer group from or, or help from or somebody who at least will shoot you straight. If, you, if you're around, you know, yes man or yes woman, people or whatever, 
that's not who you, that's not going to help you get around people who, who will tell you you're full of shit or tell you that, you know, that that's what you're thinking isn't right. Like, um, that is important. Right. And, and I'm, I'm glad I have that in my friend. Sometimes it sucks to hear it, but sometimes you need to hear it. Right. Um, but also, you know, to this point, you're saying if you 70% getting it right, that means 30% is off somewhere. So you might some somebody who can help fill that gap of the 30% that's off. And, um, but if you have your budgeting in place and you worked it from the bottom up and you have that layer of accountability all the way down to the human being, well, you got a hell of a start because now you got some facts on what you can work on to down to the individual human being and you're growing them. Right. So again, just because, you know, Chris is, uh, has got, you know, the size of business he has today and most of your listening probably aren't that size today. It doesn't mean you have no excuse to not go ahead and get started on doing something or changing it up or even fixing what you have in place. Now you heard him say it takes him three months to figure out you know, or I think it was a three-month process to kind of get to finalizing your numbers. Well, if you're smaller, it might not take you that long. So so don't hear that and think it's going to take you three months, right? Um, and use that as an excuse to not do it because it's January. Um, but you still have to do something. And, and so what I want to do then, Chris, just to finish up too, is just maybe give some like final word, you know, some final words. Because you got to keep in mind like 99% of people, or I'd say 95% of the people listening to this podcast aren't the size of Hoffman Brothers, right? They're still probably sub 10 million, maybe even sub 5 million. There's a big chunk that are in that range. So maybe even, you know, newer because they come on here, listen to just to find out, learn the things like this is their training program for the week or whatever. So what would be your like parting advice for those? And it doesn't necessarily have to be about budgeting in particular, Chris, it can yeah. be about whatever for this year. Like, Hey man, what's some good advice you can share with them? Yeah. Uh, I'll say this, Chris, I think um, someone said this to me and it resonated in a tough year. And, and what they said was, Chris, things are rarely ever as good as is sort of the 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 world would have it seem, or rarely ever as bad as the world would have it seem. Uh, and, and I totally buy into that, particularly this time of year, uh, this year, a hard year like this. Everyone's talking about how difficult it is, and I think those folks that can hang on, that can keep focusing on the basics, keep trying to build their business, not give up. Uh, the folks, because there will be people who give up, who who get absorbed yep. into the noise and, and who get distraught and who can't persevere in the face of this kind of adversity. Those people who who can sort of ignore the noise, stay focused on the basics, keep moving, take action, do stuff 100% fast, 70% right. Uh, those folks who come out on the other side of these tougher environments, uh, they're going to be stronger. They're going to be a lot stronger. And there's going to be fewer folks who make it out the other side competing for those customers. So uh, for folks that are sort of feeling like they're in the slog and they've got all these headwinds, uh, my advice would be to ignore the noise, focus on what you can control, keep moving forward. Uh, and when you get through to the other side of the storm, there's going to be less competitors standing there with you and you'll be positioned to do well. Yeah. And you're going to be so much, you're going to be positioned so much better to lead a business to victory, like to a big victory because you've been through it. They say what a, a skilled, what is it? A, a skilled sailor. Shit. I don't know what the hell it is. I, I have a poster on the wall. A calm help, yeah. sea, a calm sea never made a skilled sailor. Something along those lines. All right, I like that. I'm tracking. Yeah, whatever. I totally fucked that up, but you get what I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah. the you know, you get better. You get to, like I've been through it. You know, we're we've been in 16 years. Like I've been through some challenging times that I had to like really put my head down and get through and just do the best I could to you know to figure it out because every day the business was the size it was was a size company I've never run before. So I had to learn things on my own and be resourceful. And I, you know, we bootstrapped the whole thing together and. But I had people I could lean on, but we weren't afraid to go. Uh, we were afraid to just try things and then make changes to yeah. it. Um, so the well, one, I just want to say, hey, man, um, I appreciate you. You know, even though this you know, podcast is aired here in um, in January, you know, this the way we record this the week between Christmas and New Year's, man. So I appreciate you taking the, you know the time, your personal time away to to help me out on this and to help our listeners out. So I always love having you on here, dude. Won't be the last time you're on here. I'll I'll be excited when you can. Uh, um, when we continue to do some of our, uh, LSD crew calls, you know, live on, uh, on the podcast, those are so much fun. And, and basically what you hear is how the calls go. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty crazy, but I appreciate you giving me the time and listeners the time, brother. Yeah, no, this was great, Chris. Appreciate your friendship. Appreciate the value you bring to me in my life. So thank you, sir. And Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy new year. <laughs> Happy new year. So to our listeners, here's what I heard loud and clear. Okay. And that is you don't have to have it. Perfect. You know, even if you have it, you know, Chris is running at 70%, you know, uh, perfect, but he's going hundred percent fast. You know, maybe that's 50% for you, but do, if it's 50% better then Hey, you're already going in the right direction. You got to do something because people are going, you hear me say this, 
Someone is going to win this year. Actually, quite a few people are going to win this year. Quite a few companies are going to win this year. That doesn't necessarily mean you got to grow by 20%, 25%, 10%, whatever. Um, and maybe it's just focusing on what you've done, chipping away at it, and you only grow 5% this year. Um, if 5% is better than what you did of being flat the previous year, pat yourself on the back, you're moving in the right direction. You probably learned a few things. So someone is going to win this year, and my hope is that it's you. My hope is that it's you because you took the time to implement the things, try the things, and if you jacked them up, make some edits to it, reach out to some people and ask questions, ask for help this year, but keep your head dialed down. Try to work in this budgeting process that Chris gave you at bare minimum so that way you understand how to hold your team accountable down to the individual and then genuinely care about helping them. And if you do these things, the business will move in the right direction. You know, it's, it's hard to think sometimes, you know, and uh, I've said this often, I have a t-shirt that says um, reputation over revenue. Um, it's because I believe the better I can make the human being in this business, in this building, the more I can do for them professionally to help their skill set, uh, the better they'll do for our customers, which means the better that the, the customers uh, will be you know, for us as their partner. And it's like a beautiful little cycle. Like I did everything I could to make sure that my employees had everything they need to be successful and do their job as best as they can to be competitive for our customers. And when I do those things, the revenue follows. The revenue follows because our customers grow, retention of the customers stays high. We have minimal churn. It's like a beautiful little cycle and it's worked for 16 years. So I feel like it's, you know, what Chris is saying is things I've been practicing for a bit, but I've not always had it figured out. So do something, even if it's as, you know, like as simple as re, you know, restructuring your budget from the, from the bottom up. And listen, maybe if you've already done it, I mean, you know, Chris, you can disagree with me here, but maybe if you've already done this and you don't want to go back through this process, at least Take this to your leadership team and help them understand how you came to the number and how they can best help hold their team hold uh, each other accountable to the number. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's something because you got to get them to come with you. You got to get them to come with you. And by the way, if you haven't noticed already, and I believe this is going to happen again in, uh, in, in this year, is there's going to be some great talent available. Um, there's already been some great talent available that have left others who have been through this acquisition phase and didn't necessarily like how that went for them or didn't want to be a part of that. So there's a lot of great talent available. And so where we used to kind of battle that whole um, re recruitment deal, recruitment you know, has been difficult. I've seen a lot of really skilled people coming up. I get those questions all the time. Hey, Chris, they're a GM in one location on the East Coast or wanting to move to the West Coast. Hey, who do you know who's looking for a GM? That happens to me all the time. So I'm telling you, if you build it, you're also going to have the bodies too. So just start to do the thing. So, and I'm, and I know that if you reach out to Chris, like you can hit the, hit him up on LinkedIn or whatever. He makes a lot of great posts. with a lot of great stuff like this too, that we're talking about. Um, and he'll be able to connect with you. So, um, Chris, I appreciate you listeners. I appreciate you. It's 2024. Let's kick some ass this year. Continue to keep tuning into this stuff. We'll keep bringing on more guests and sharing you like more. I tried to drill more into some specific details of things with our guests. Um, but I'm here to help you out all year long. When? So until then, do everything that you possibly can. But it doesn't have to be everything. It just needs to be something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really Really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.